0: Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. In November, a new show launched on Northumberland 89.7 FM called Conversations Towards Reconciliation with Alderville First Nations Chief Tanar Simpson. It's an opportunity to learn more about the Indigenous community in Northumberland and elsewhere every month. So far, the show includes topics like Indigenous portrayal in movies, games, and TV. There was a chat about the 10th anniversary of the solar farm in Alderville, and boil water advisories. Each episode also includes a long list of events and announcements about what's going on in Alderville. In this segment, you will hear about a meeting of all the chiefs from across Canada at the Assembly of First Nations in Ottawa. It was attended by Chief Simpson. You will also learn about something called the duty to consult. It is an important aspect of recognizing land rights, not only across the country and the province, but also locally. You will find out if municipalities in the county are engaging with Alderville when it comes to development and protecting heritage, along with the environment and Indigenous rights. Hello, and welcome to Conversations Towards Reconciliation with Alderville First Nations Chief Tainar Simpson. I'm your host, Robert Washburn. This program is coming to you from the Williams Treaty Territory and Northumberland 89.7 FM. For the next 30 minutes, we will bring you important stories and issues facing Indigenous and non-Indigenous people living here in Northumberland County and across the country. It is your chance to become better informed, more engaged, and empowered as we all move together on the path to reconciliation. So join us for the next step on this journey. I'm delighted to be joined once again by Tainer Simpson, Chief of the Alderville First Nation. Good to see you, Tainer.
1: Good to see you too, Robert.
0: I want to start off with the Assembly of First Nations meeting that you were at. I understand you spent a large part of last week at a special meeting of the Assembly of First Nations. Let's begin with why was this meeting called and its significance?
1: Well, this was our um, uh, special chief's assembly that uh, uh, we hold every uh, couple of years. So this one was important because we were electing a new national chief. Um, And I'm not sure if everyone is aware there were some issues uh, with the previous national chief and things didn't end uh, all so well. And there was a little bit of dissension amongst uh, uh, people at the AFN. And we were really looking forward to getting everything back on track and and electing a new national leader that's going to really um, stand up for our rights and, and push our agenda forward.
0: Did you go in with any expectations around some of the issues you're going to be discussing in the election itself?
1: Yes, um there's a few uh, hot button issues that uh, here in Ontario, and especially in Alderville, we were really concerned with, uh, one of them being bill c fifty three. So we were looking for candidates to really speak to these issues., uh, but uh, I guess bill c fifty three being a very um uh, uh, sensitive topic uh, wasn't wasn't discussed as much uh, directly uh, as it was
0: indirectly. So maybe you could explain to us what is bill c fifty three?
1: Well, Bill C-53 is uh, this new legislation um, going through the House. It's already had two readings, and it it basically grants uh, the rights that First Nations people have to uh, Métis people here in Ontario. And uh, we've taken a little bit of an offense to it because uh, historically there weren't any Métis communities here Um, But now the government's talking about uh, basically diluting our rights uh, by giving them to Métis people. And and to be Métis, all you have to do is self-identify. So we see this as um, almost like a reverse white paper, whereas in uh, the 60s, they were going to take all of the Indigenous uh, rights away from Indigenous people and make them all equal. Uh, this is potentially going the opposite way, where anyone who self-identifies as Métis will gain these rights, and then if everyone has these rights, then really nobody has these rights anymore. So we are very concerned about what this can lead to. They're talking about making treaties with the Métis people, um, and as well as harvesting rights on our territory. So it's going to um, it's going to effectively change a lot. So we it's something that we are having to tackle now.
0: Métis people have a long and rich history in Canada, and we, we know of Louis Rial would be the most famous example, but there are many others. What is the, the relationship then between the historic Métis people and what you're talking about right now?
1: Yes, so the Red River Métis are what we would know as like the historic Métis uh, where they were, um, uh, were Indigenous uh, people and uh, the, uh, mostly the French fur traders uh, intermarried and had children. And there was a very unique culture that uh, sprung up in that area. Um, so the word Métis has been sort of um, uh, taken over to mean anyone uh, that claims any mixed uh, Indigenous ancestry. So there is a distinction there. There were no uh, Métis settlements in Ontario. Uh, there's no historic Métis people. Uh, Métis themselves aren't um, Indigenous in the sense that they didn't exist prior to contact. Uh, they weren't here for time immemorial. Um, so our, our, uh, this, to us, we, uh, I don't feel like it's uh, we're against the Métis. We're against this legislation that the, uh, the the government has brought in without our consultation.
0: Going back to, to the uh, meeting of the Assembly First Nations, did, was there anything that the Ban Council asked you to do when you were at this meeting beyond what we've just spoken about?
1: Well, I think... uh... Just uh, any areas that we could push um, our agenda was uh, was key. Um, creating relationships with uh, the other chiefs was important. So uh, the Williams uh First Nation chiefs that were there, we, we kind of all stuck together. And beyond that, the, a lot of the Southeast regional chiefs. So you kind of stick uh, with your regional um, friends, uh, and and that includes um, uh, Don Miracle from. Uh, um, Nega, who I've got a good relationship with. So it doesn't matter if you're Anishinaabek or you're Mohawk. Like we do have a lot of shared interests uh, being in Ontario. So that was one of them.
0: Cindy Woodhouse was elected as the new national chief of the uh, assembly of first nations. Can you tell us a bit about her?
1: Yes, so uh, Cindy is um, the Manitoba Regional Chief, um, so she's one of the primary, I guess uh, you would see them as Vice Chiefs of the AFN, so uh, she was well uh, positioned to to run for this. Um, our council actually decided uh, early on that we were going to support Cindy. Uh, we made it a council decision, even though it's uh, technically a chief's decision, so uh, I wanted to make sure that everyone was comfortable with this, and we uh, asked some questions. I spoke with her Uh, prior to the assembly, and during the assembly, we were in in contact. So I felt very comfortable supporting her, and uh, we were just happy that uh, that was the end result.
0: Now, in her speech, she outlined a number of key issues she wants to tackle during her term, and these include child welfare, housing, economic development, policing, and a lot of other issues. Are her priorities the same priorities as Alderville Band Council? In other words, is she on the right track from what she outlined from a local perspective
1: absolutely those issues are all the issues that we're focusing on right now ourselves too so uh we are uh, obviously focused on the local level but you know we need that support at the national level having the the ear of the the federal government uh and lesser so the provincial government so we need these advocates working for us to to make it come from a top-down perspective that can uh, can help us out on the ground
0: so then, what what are your takeaways from this meeting? Then,
1: um, I think that it was very good to get back on track and, and get focused again. But I do see room for improvement on on procedures and how things are done. Uh, whereas on Wednesday, uh, which was uh, the whole day was taken up by the vote, I feel like we could have gotten a lot of the uh, resolution debate and passing done while we after we voted and while we're waiting for the results. So had we done that, I feel like we would have gone through all the resolutions and and gotten the business that our members expect us to do.
0: Well, that's a wrap-up of our conversation. Hey, the second thing I wanted to talk to you about today was this notion of duty to consult. It sounds like a really complex thing. Maybe we could start off with this. There are terms that many people are not familiar with. Could you explain What is duty to consult?
1: Well, uh, the duty to consult um, is something that uh, came around by uh, numerous Supreme Court decisions uh, that happened uh, in the 90s and and the 2000s, where uh, for basically uh, centuries, uh, um, we haven't been consulted on the use of our traditional lands and the territories that uh, uh, um, we we still are legally entitled to. Uh, A lot of these issues haven't been Um, resolved yet. So many of the lands in Canada are still technically under um, First Nations ownership. So when companies uh, and governments go in and, and do things to the land, uh, whereas in the past we've been ignored, now uh, the Supreme Court has said no, you can't ignore the First Nations. They have a right to be consulted on things that affect their territory in their territory, and that includes uh, building like roads, bridges, uh, new uh, industry going in, pretty much anything that we would have like a uh, archaeological or environmental uh, concern about.
0: Has there been any examples locally in the past where? the duty to consult has not taken place or would be a good example to help people understand?
1: Yes, well, uh, I think everyone's aware of what happened with uh, the Greenbelt um, development uh, uh, proposals uh, earlier in this summer. So um, that was uh, an example of not being consulted. So when the, uh, the Premier decided that he was going to uh, remove lands from the Greenbelt for development for his uh, faster um, like home building, um we knew we weren't consulted so we uh all of the ontario first nations got together and unanimously opposed this uh and mo- most of the basis was that we weren't consulted on these changes who knows what would have happened if we were consulted we still don't like greenbelt development but uh, the fact that they didn't consult was um uh w- w- wasn't seen very well and then uh The premier said, we are going to start consulting now after he had done it. So then that was just kind of a slap in the face uh, to the whole uh, duty to consult process.
0: The idea of duty to consult, people can consult you, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're listening. How do you distinguish those two ideas?
1: Well, that's a very good question. So. um, The duty to consult process has definitely evolved um, since the early days of the uh, Supreme Court decisions. Um, It's gotten to a point now where things are very formalized. Uh, There's standards that you have to meet. Um, We need to say that this was meaningful consultation uh, before they can say it was meaningful consultation. Uh, We have an excellent consultation coordinator here in Alderville, uh, Dr. Julie Kapirka. Um, she knows the ins and outs of everything, and if something's not uh, going the way it's supposed to, she, she's the first person to, to let them know. Um, so it's, uh, it's really become a refined process, and uh, it, it makes it better for us, and it makes it better for the businesses and governments uh, and parties that are consulting with us to know that there is a standard.
0: You've talked about this in the big picture, but what about at the local level? What is the responsibility of municipalities in Northumberland County when it comes to duty to consult?
1: Well, uh, that's a very good question. Um, so a lot of ways the municipalities and the counties uh, will consult us on road expansions or, or a new bridge that they've got to uh, uh, build. So I've sat down for numerous meetings about uh, new bridges and roads, and it, it's uh, it is the minutiae, but it's important because we do have uh, archaeological finds down there. And in the past, you know, sometimes they've been bulldozed right through. Uh, they didn't want to stop the uh, the project. They didn't want it to get behind schedule. So now there's um, uh, there's ways that th- that we can get around that we will now have uh, archaeological watching as they're the bulldozers are going so if they see anything that's uh coming out of the ground uh we're the first to know so that's a really good process to have it it creates trust on both sides and um it just makes sure that we're ensuring our cultural uh, and historic heritage
0: if you were to characterize the relationship between the band council and the county government what would it be
1: uh, I would say it's very good. Um, I'm friends with uh, the mayors of uh, the county, and in fact, uh, tomorrow we have a, a joint um uh, county council meetings to which I'll be attending in person uh, tomorrow. So it's um it's something that we've been working hard to build these relationships. We had the uh, the county uh, Council come to Alderville a few weeks ago, where all the mayors, um, uh, we're, we're, there, the Port Hope mayor, the Coburg mayor, uh, Mandy Martin, uh, John Logel from Elna Colleyman. So it was really nice to, uh, to have everyone in one room and, and just talk about the issues that are important.
0: All right. That's the upper municipal tier. What about the lower municipalities? Well, how, what's your relationship with like with them on an individual basis?
1: It's very good as well too. So um, I've been all over the area, uh, our County, the Peterborough County, uh, every time I go and uh, I speak or I meet the mayors, it's always been really good. We exchange uh, information. Um, uh, we get in contact afterwards. And, uh, even here in Roseneath on uh, Saturday, I was, uh, I opened the new, um, the rebuilt, uh, Roseneath, um, anglican church that had burned down in a fire a few years ago so we had the grand reopening of it on saturday and i was there and um, i was walking with uh, open arms and uh, it was just a really nice uh, coming together of uh, alderville and uh, rosny
0: so within the context of duty to consult whose responsibility is it does alderville have to show up to public meetings or to track this or is it up to the municipalities to reach out to you
1: Now it's up to the municipalities to reach out to us, the corporations to reach out to us, the government. So uh, anytime a shovel is going to go in the ground, it's uh, contingent upon them to reach out to us. Uh, And it always starts with um, an explanation of the project. And then they'll ask, would you like to engage us on this? Would you like to consult with us? So then that's when we take it back and we're like, does this really affect us? Is it something you want to engage and consult on? Because it takes a lot of our time and expense to do this. So um, we find if it's in our territory and there is a reason to, we will uh, engage in consultation. But if it's outside of our area and there's another First Nation that's closer, uh, we feel like it would be more their responsibility to take on the consultation process. So every single consultation request is um, uh, analyzed to see if it's something we we want to start on.
0: Where is there in the public record that? demonstrates that a council has reached out to you or has made an effort to to consult? Because you look through these reports that come before council or any of the motions, there's nothing ever that really is a little box or a little something or a line or two that says, you know, oh, yeah, we did consult as we are required to, sort of like the same way that we have an opening statement now in, in council meetings. Where is this public record that shows that these councils are consulting with you
1: now, that is a very good question. I'm not sure that there is a public record for for something like that. I do know that there is that checky box that says, uh, did you consult with First Nations? So um, previously, that's how it was done. Um, And that led to just uh, ticking a box and saying that you had uh, proper consultation. And we know that a lot of that, the times they did click that box, there wasn't actually any proper consultation. Sending an email, leaving a phone message um, is not what we consider consultation. So to engage in meaningful consultation, we have to have a back and forth. We have to have meetings. They have to tell us exactly what we're doing. And we have to say if we like it or we don't like it. Um, and if we don't like it, then we uh, we discuss that. So we might not always agree. um, but that that is part of the consultation process. So, I don't think there is a public record per se, but uh, it would be known if um a consultation was going forward that would happened improperly or or didn't happen at all
0: in twenty twenty two, Brighton Council received an archaeological assessment for properties that were a series of recommendations on land waiting to be developed. And I know your predecessor was very upset with the council regarding the lack of consultation. Can you provide us with any updates? What is the status of that particular archaeological assessment?
1: That's a good question. Um, I'd have to look into that file in particular. Um, it hasn't come across my desk since I've been here, which makes me think that our concerns um, have been achieved uh, and delayed. I do know that the former mayor and uh, the mayor of Brighton did have a good relationship, so that leads me to think that uh, things uh, did sort itself out in a good way, and that uh, you know that's one of the reasons why we have this uh, consultation process because um, oftentimes the the proponent won't know what they're doing. They won't know that they're Um, uh, perhaps incensing a First Nation. So by bringing this to the table together and having this dialogue, uh, it it airs um, all of our concerns. So it it really is a good process that way.
0: I guess my last question to you is this. How do you prevent nimbyism where Indigenous people are holding up what some people may argue is progress?
1: Well, that's uh, very important. so we would have valid concerns if there's uh, like a, a graveyard or uh, something like a, that's very culturally significant. We feel like that should trump any sort of development for for money. Um, but at the same time, since these are our lands, a lot of the industrial proponents w- want to uh, enter into um, uh, like profit-sharing agreements where we will actually get a percentage of the company of the corporation of the project that they're building so uh, by sharing of the wealth um, that ensures that you know they have our support uh, and that we have a say at the table of how things are built and how they're uh, run from there on in so it's uh, if things are done right then there's no reason why we wouldn't give our approval Uh, but then if you're like gonna you know build a coal plant or something or like a big mine that's something that we might say you know Maybe that's not a good idea, uh, depending on what it is. But um, we feel like we are protecting the environment. Uh, so uh, if we say that we don't want something, uh, it's probably safe to assume that the larger community out there would also be opposed to to for it on the same reasons.
0: That was great. Thank you so much. We're now at the point in our show where I know you like to talk about a few things that are coming up. And Alderville, so please share with us what you've got this time around.
1: Okay, well, thanks, Robert. Um, So some of these announcements might be uh, for just the Alderville members or others are for for everybody. Uh, But uh, we have an update on the women's shelter that uh, had uh, previously been slated to close. So we are repurposing the women's shelter as uh, assisted living for elders who need an extra level of care, uh, but still wanna live independently. So uh, we're hoping that uh, by uh, mid-year next year, uh, we'll be able to bring in our, our uh, first round of uh, tenants. And uh, I think that that's gonna really help people stay in the community who want to, who otherwise might have to uh, go into uh, a care facility outside of the territory. Um, also, uh, we're moving our library, which is currently um, housed in the band office. Uh, we we're renovating a section of the student services facility by the solar farm. And we're going to put the library right inside the student services. So that's going to increase the ability for our students to to have access to uh, these learning materials and books. So uh, we feel that was a really good move um, that uh, should be happening in the next couple of months. We're currently under the renovation process right now. Um, Another update is we have uh, we've developed an Alderville app that we're gonna use for communications with our members to get uh, the, the latest information out there. Um, we're gonna be able to have polls and votes on, on things that are important to them. And um, it's good to know that uh, anyone can download the Alderville app, even uh, non-members of Alderville. So if you wanna know like when the powwow is or you know, announcements of that, something that uh, we want people to know, uh, we'll have um, uh, messages for for everybody, basically. So you would be slotted into uh, whatever interests you are. So, say you're interested in health and youth and education, you would uh, be targeted for those kinds of announcements. Uh, so non-members would just get uh, our general announcements um, that that we want the community to know about. Um, also, we're starting up our Meals on Wheels program uh, November second. There had been. Um, Uh, uh, we'd stopped that for a little bit, but now it's back on the docket. So uh, all of the qualified members uh, will get one hot meal per week. And uh, we know that it's actually a very good meal. So if uh, you're interested, please sign up. Um, We're also uh, working on an emergency planning for power outages in the community. We're taking stock of all of the vulnerable members uh, who might be affected by a power outage, say they might be on oxygen, uh, in a wheelchair. We're going to be able to have a access them during a snowstorm. Um, get the the plows in there. Get a generator hooked up and get them power so that they they can stay in their homes. Um, so so we feel like that's a really good, good emergency plan to have. Um, we're also taking donations to the food bank. Uh, here in Alderville. So it's open to all members of the public, uh, the food, so you don't have to be a member to access our food bank. And we had just received a very generous donation from a member and his charitable organization where they, like I saw pictures of the amount of food and it's hundreds of pounds of uh, non-perishable food that they donate. So um, I guess I'll mention his name, it's Judd Smoke. Uh, thank you very much for your donation. And uh, also, uh, we've been uh, told that uh, 5G wireless has been uh, upgraded in the the local um, uh, uh, towers. So uh, if you're on Rogers, you're supposed to be getting 5G soon. I am on Rogers, and I don't have it yet. So maybe they're still waiting to throw the switch. But keep an eye out for improved reception out there, everybody.
0: Tanner Simpson, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today.
1: Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: I want to thank Alderville First Nations Chief Tainar Simpson for talking to me today. I want to thank you for joining our conversation, and I hope you enjoyed this time to learn more about what's going on, the stories and issues facing Indigenous people living in Northumberland and elsewhere. That's all for this week. I'm Robert Washburn. Join us again next time for Conversations Towards Reconciliation with Tainar Simpson. That was Alderville First Nations Chief, Tainar Simpson. You can hear Conversations Towards Reconciliation with Simpson on the third Tuesday of the month at 4.30 p.m. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in.